One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Today we've got a crazy nuclear revenge story against one person's own father. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, my friend became my boss and messed up. As a woman who was born disabled, life had never really been easy. I was born with Herb's palsy, where complications before my birth caused muscles and nerves in my right hand to be weak and unresponsive. As an adult, I was born with a relatively smaller and way weaker right hand. My parents had done all they could to have my arm fixed, and they quite honestly spent a lot of money, but the best result we got was me not needing to amputate the arm. I had use of my arm, it just was very limited use. I couldn't hold things for long or use it intensively. Sure, that affected my quality of living, but it wasn't so bad. I wasn't in a lot of pain, and since I grew up using my left hand as my dominant hand, it rarely affected me gravely. The biggest issue for me was getting picked on. Before elementary school, I mostly got asked questions about what was wrong with my arm. From elementary school though, the snide comments started coming in. Funny enough, most of the comments I got at first came not from my classmates but from their parents. The first time I actually had an experience with discrimination, it was when the mother of one of my classmates walked up to me while I waited for my dad to pick me up. She sat down beside me and started to ask me questions about my hands. She asked if I could use my left hand well and if my defect was contagious. As the child I was, I didn't see anything wrong with the questions she was asking at first. I happily told her what my parents had told me to tell anyone who asked about my arm. That I was born a little different, but that I was just like everyone else. I proceeded to show her the painting I'd made of my family in class that day. When she started to ask about my parents though, I started to feel a little concerned. She asked if my parents also had the defect, so I politely told her that I didn't want to talk to her anymore, and I walked away. A few minutes after that, my dad came to pick me up. By that time though, I'd mostly forgotten about the incident. It wasn't until we were seated at the table for dinner that I remembered and told my parents about what had happened. I could swear I've never seen my mum so mad before. She was absolutely outraged and insisted on calling the principal to report what had happened immediately. The principal had assured her that there was no place for discrimination of any type in the school and had also said that he was going to personally talk to the parent in question. I assumed that that was all there was to it until my parents got home one day from a PTA meeting looking very pissed. My mom got on the phone with a lawyer while my dad took me into my room to ask me a few questions. At first, he asked if anyone had spoken rudely or mockingly to me, especially my classmate whose mother had harassed me. I told him no. He asked if people treated me differently or refused to talk to me. Sensing what was going on, instead of answering his question, I asked if this was because of my hand. He sighed and said it was. Apparently the same woman who had harassed me had spoken up at the PTA meeting, saying she didn't feel it was safe for her child to be in the same class as a cripple and that my parents moved me to a different school. I would later hear that it took my dad and two other parents to keep my mom from pouncing on her and beating her butt. 
However, it didn't really end well. The woman had called my parents and me all sorts of slurs, and she had keyed my dad's car as she was being escorted out of the school premises. My mom was so upset, she had insisted on going legal, and there was nothing my dad could do to dissuade her. Eventually, my classmate's mom was sued by my parents, but after losing her job due to the public storm that my dad stirred up, he knew a few people in the media, she issued a public apology and my parents dropped the lawsuit. After that, I still received discrimination, but it was never ever from my classmate or their parents. One thing I've always been proud of is my academic performance at school. From the get-go, I'd always excelled academically, and it was something I was very proud of. My parents were also quite proud of my academic excellence, and so they supported me heavily. As I grew older, I started getting involved in a lot of extracurricular stuff too. I was part of the chess club, and I even headed it in my senior year of high school. I was also on my school's debate team and a part of the drama club. In all these things, my parents were very supportive, and where they could help, they did. I did get a fair bit of discrimination here and there though, but I never let it get in my way. I graduated as valedictorian from high school with scholarship offers from some of the top universities in the US. I chose to study robotics at MIT though. I'd always wanted to go to MIT. It was while I was a student at MIT that I met Theodore. Ted was also a student at MIT. He had big dreams of one day owning one of the world's most successful tech companies. In fact, when we first started talking, he spoke about it non-stop. To be honest, at the time, I had hoped to date him. He was brilliant, funny, and made a really mean spaghetti and meatballs. With time though, I realized that we just couldn't be together. For one, he seemed to be uninterested in me romantically. He only addressed me as a friend and I took the hint. If he were interested though, it wouldn't have made a difference. We simply weren't compatible. Our views on life were just different, and I soon realized that there was no way we'd ever work out. Regardless of that, we became very good friends, and over the years, we built a very strong bond. When we graduated, Ted's dad, who was quite rich, invested in Ted's dream. Ted started to build a robotics company. From the start, he let me know that he wanted me to work with him. Of course, I agreed to that. He was not only my good friend, but we'd worked together on quite a few projects at MIT and we worked really well together. I got brought in as the chief technical officer based on my knowledge and skill regarding robotics. Sure, I didn't have a ton of experience, but I learned fast and my dedication was an asset. It also helped that in university, I had started developing a pretty advanced and efficient way to develop robots that were extremely precise yet powerful. As a matter of fact, with this system, I had developed a robotic ram that could autonomously do anything from picking up a sheet of paper from a glass table to arm wrestling at different power levels without absolutely destroying the arm of its opponent. Together, Ted and I built a range of products for businesses. As we succeeded, more investors were drawn towards us. We quickly scaled up the company and tried to diversify. It was really epic. Over the next five years, I felt as fulfilled as I possibly could. Things started to change when one day, Ted came into my office to watch me work. Now, that wasn't odd by itself, but the fact that he spent hours there just staring at me made me start to feel uncomfortable. I told him he was starting to spook me, and then he apologized. He said he wanted to talk to me after office hours, though, so we arranged a meeting at a restaurant for dinner after work. 
At dinner, Ted told me that he was attracted to me and he was wondering if we could date. I was quite flattered but at the same time confused. I had liked Ted in the past, but that was more infatuation than anything else. There was also the fact that we worked together, or to be more accurate, I worked for him. There was no way that wasn't unprofessional. And even if there wasn't that, there was the big fact that I felt nothing but friendship for Ted. Like I said before, we were quite different in our views about the world in a way that was quite deal-breaking for me. However, wanting to let him down softly, I told him I was happy he decided to talk to me about it, but I didn't see him as anything other than a friend. I apologized if I'd let him on in any way, and I told him this didn't affect our friendship in any way. He was quiet for the rest of the evening, and even when I started conversations with him, he gave bland, monosyllabic answers. I understood that he must be feeling bad, so after a while I kept quiet too. After dinner, he paid and simply left. I didn't even know he had gone. I had gone to use the bathroom and came out to see that he simply wasn't there. I tried calling him, but he didn't answer. My texts went unanswered too. The next day, I saw Ted at work and tried to talk to him, but he said he was busy and didn't have time to chat, so I went to my office. I was in the middle of work when he walked in and said he wanted to talk to me, but after work. He left immediately after and I honestly couldn't read his face to determine what type of mood he was in. Perhaps he wanted to apologize for ditching me at the restaurant? Perhaps he wanted to try his luck again? Perhaps I was about to get fired? thoughts rushed through my mind, each worse than the last. By the close of work, I was a nervous mess. I waited for quite a bit for Ted. In fact, I was quite certain we were the only two people left in the building when he finally walked in. The look on his face was one I had never seen on him. He looked absolutely furious. He asked me what right I had to reject him like I did the previous night. He said he knew I liked them when we met, and he had after all these years decided to pity me and return the affection and I dare reject him after all he had done for me? I tried to tell him that there were a lot of reasons we couldn't be together, primarily our incompatibility, but that only seemed to make him angrier. Frothing at the mouth, he said he could almost get any woman he wanted, that there were so many people who would beg to date him and he certainly could do more than a cripple. That instant was where something in me snapped. All my life I had had to deal with people who mocked me because of my arm, but I never had someone as close to me as Ted address me like that. I wanted to cry, but at the same time I wanted to tackle him and pummel his face. However, I did something much wiser. I stood up tall, looked him right in the eye, and with as much venom as I could muster, I told him to move out of the way. As I walked out, I heard him mutter, Betty, wait. I didn't look back. The tears didn't come till I got home. When they came, they came hot and steady. I cried myself to sleep. I woke up with a new resolve to deal with Ted. He was not going to get away with what he called me. I called in sick and missed a couple of days of work. I refused to pick any of Ted's calls up or read any of his messages. When I resumed work, I started with my plan. I was leaving the company, but I was going to burn it on my way out. I had already applied to a few other companies I knew would love to have me work with them. Then day by day I slowly started to erase every work I put in. I cleared out coding, took blueprints and even tampered with prototypes my team and I had built. 
I made my exit as grand as I could by dropping my resignation letter at Ted's desk on the day we were supposed to pitch our latest robot to our biggest investor. At the bottom it was signed, Your Favorite Cripple. I was sure with the code that was now missing, the robot couldn't function as it was. I walked out of the office, went to the airport, and took my booked flight to Seychelles. When I returned, all heck had broken loose. Many of the company's investors were pulling out, and employees were resigning and moving to other competitors. I had a bunch of mail from Ted, some begging me to come back, some cursing and threatening. He had also dropped notes at my apartment. One of them was written in blood and said, I will end you. I saved them all to leverage if he ever considered going legal. As the weeks went on, I continued to observe the company crash and burn. Heck, even Ted's dad was considering pulling out. I, on the other hand, got a job with one of the country's top robotic companies. Right before I moved to start my new job, I sent a bouquet of flowers to Theodore with a note that read, There won't be a next time to your stupidity. If you're wise, you'll learn how to take rejections. Oh, and if you as much as think of coming for me, I'll make you as distressed as your crumbling company. I didn't need to sign it. He'd know who it was from. It's been three years and I haven't heard from him. Good. Honestly, if I was an OP situation, I think I would have gone at least mildly legal about this. And as soon as I got a letter written in blood saying, I will end you, that's an immediate report to the police and a restraining order. Like, how do you downplay that or just be like, uh, I'll just file this for later just in case. That said, our next story is Broken Promises from My Father. My parents' love story was supposed to be the best love story I have ever heard about, but life got in the way. Or should I say my father got in the way? My parents met and fell in love at Orange County Community College, Middletown Campus, New York. My mother described the moment as instant and scintillating. Nothing looked fishy. Was it supposed to? I mean, my father, Mr. Bakar, a young East African immigrant in search of a greener pasture in America, was everything a woman could tag as a man crush forever. To top it off, he knew how to do this romance thing the way K-drama actors portrayed romance. He was... Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everything and more, except that he never loved my mother the way she hoped he did. And my father would go on to ignite deep hatred and trauma in my mother and me. 
This trauma was the result of all the broken promises made to my mother in their five years of marriage. The same broken promises that made me question my identity and would later set me on the path of revenge I never knew I needed. I grew up with low self-esteem because my childhood wasn't sugar and spice. I had to live with quite a number of relatives as a child. Let's focus on my granny. I lived with my maternal grandmother in Los Angeles, California until I was 16. She was the first human that made me know that some individuals will never be good enough for some people, no matter how hard they try. It was strictly appalling with her. I had to pay for the disobedience of my mother. Yes, my mother did not have the support to date my father. We can't fathom why Granny had a special hatred for black men, but we knew she did. Although she took pride in her whiteness, she wasn't a racist. History has it that she once dated a black man who didn't take care of her heart. Thus, her vow was to not allow anyone from her family to go out with any black man again. Well, my mom was different. As far as she was concerned, my granny's history should stay with her and should not be transcended to her children. My mother loved my father, and that was on period. Maybe my mother shouldn't have loved my father. Perhaps I would have found favor and love in the sight of my granny, the way my cousins found favor and love in her sight. As far as I can remember, most of my granny's grandchildren craved her indulgence. I was seen as different because my father wasn't loved or even present. Black men were not endorsed by my granny because they evoked unpleasant memories and my father was not any different. I didn't know much about him, but I was old enough to know that he was not welcome. My granny didn't talk about her failed black love, but her demeanor each time a talk revolved around it showed that she would be forever resenting the man that caused her pain. There were times I wished my mother listened to my granny in regard to her love life. Maybe I would have experienced the love she dished out to my cousins. I couldn't say she hated me, but I knew I wasn't foremost on her love list. Something about me triggered her. I bring her memories she didn't want to live with, but she couldn't undo what my mother had done. She referred to my mother's disobedience as a mistake so much that I began to believe that I was a mistake. So if she had any love to spare for me, it was after she had loved up on our other grandchildren. She was the type that loved and loved so much, and she was equally the type that hated with a special grace. Yes, she had grace for everything, including love and hatred. She was resolute, firm, and industrious. She was bossy and carried around her an air of importance. I don't know how she saw herself, but she always felt the world revolved around her. Why wouldn't she? She had chains of businesses around Los Angeles, and she was heavily invested in oil and gas. She had money, a name, and even fame. Oh, did I not mention that her beloved husband, Mr. Greg, my grandfather, adored her? He was her personal handbag as they were closely knitted, except that Mr. Greg was the quiet version of my granny. He was less seen and less pompous, even though he was not a poor man. Oh, my Greg, my granddada, he was a good man. He was the reason why I didn't die of the low self-esteem my granny worked hard to instill in me. He was my real G. I remember when Granny took my cousins to Africa to visit one of its beautiful islands. It was my grandfather that kept my head at bay. He made sure I had a good vacation with my aunt in Asia that summer as well. I can talk about the Maldives because Greg was kind enough to secure that all-expense-paid trip for me. 
That trip was going to be a major game changer for me. Asia changed me, or should I say my Aunt Melissa who lived and worked in the Maldives painted hidden pictures of me I never knew existed. She grew up with my mother and they attended the same college. She knew my father but she wouldn't tell me anything about him. As she took me from one island to another, she gave a straight face and a mean look anytime a conversation revolved around my father. On the day we visited Mail Island in the Maldives, I wondered if my father took my mother on a honeymoon when they got married. I wondered why he left and why my mother made a stern resolve to never allow me to speak to him or even see him. It hurt badly. The world is beautiful, but I wondered why only a fraction of the world's population truly experiences its beauty. My life was not beautiful even though I was on a beautiful island. After my vacation with Auntie Melissa, I didn't go back to my granny. I was preparing for college, so I had a chance to spend time with my mother in New York. I had only been in New York when I was a kid, and all I have of the city are faint memories. When I got older, I was not only intrigued by the commercial drive of the city, I was awed by its congestion and attractiveness. When I learned that different places are representations of different things, I couldn't hide my days. For instance, Broadway is linked with theater, 7th Avenue is linked with fashion, and Harlem is the representation of the African-American dream. Then there was my mother who I wondered what she represented in my life. I had spent a huge part of my growing years learning about my mother from afar. When her marriage with my father went south, she stayed back in New York and she left me at the mercy of my granny. I couldn't really place what I felt for my mother, but I knew it wasn't love at least not at the time. I didn't like that she left me with granny. I wanted us to stay together. I wanted to know her and touch her. Even though I had questions, lots of them, and when I had the opportunity to ask those questions, all I did was stare. My mother stood right in front of me after so many years and I was not only transfixed, I was in awe. I couldn't believe that my mother had been aging backward. There was no ounce of aging at all on her. She was still as stunning and beautiful as ever. She had all these, and she was still without a man. Settling down with my mother in New York wasn't a piece of cake. On most days, we were like strangers to each other. Although we've spent years away from each other, I expected our relationship to be better than it was. Not that my behavior around her was any better either. And then I realized that all the trauma I had buried within me was beginning to surface. How I was called the B-word meaning child born out of wedlock in Los Angeles and how I got treated like one. Nothing else had hurt as much as the unwillingness of my extended family members to accept me. It wasn't my intention to date Joshua, one of the boys I got close to in New York, but I dated him anyway. Looking back now, I was never meant to have dated him, but he accepted me and I felt that was enough. Even though he was toxic and reminded me of all my traumas, I stayed with him regardless. I wasn't supposed to, but my self-esteem made me do it. I had believed all of the lies people around me told me over the years and I had a poor image of myself. On the eve of my 17th birthday, Joshua organized a surprise get-together for me. I was surrounded by all the amazing young people I had met in New York. It was supposed to be a spectacular night until everything went south. Joshua lived on drugs and he got easily triggered by seemingly trivial things. 
I couldn't believe Joshua would rave madly because another boy danced with me on the dance floor. As much as he was supposed to be very mad, not to the extent of hitting me in the presence of everybody, I didn't know the extent of his anger and his unfounded jealousy until I woke up in the hospital. My mother was by my bedside weeping profusely. I drifted back and forth into sleep. I wondered what was wrong until I tried to move my body but was unable to. I cried. My body shook heavily as I did. My mother could only sob while she watched me. When we both found our voices, she held my hand and gave me a grave look. I avoided her gaze. I didn't like that look. I asked her again for the umpteenth time where my father was. I didn't expect her to yield to my request, and I was grateful she did. When I met your father, I wasn't expecting myself to fall in love, nor was I looking for love, but he came with his sweet charm to sweep me off my feet. I thought our love was pristine and would never have a blemish. So I went ahead to get married to him, even though we were young college students. Despite that pain that I felt in my body, I brazen up to listen to more as my mother made her epic narration. My mother continued, Even though my mother and my siblings were against our relationship and then marriage, I was undeterred. I loved your father with everything. I loved his skin, his shiny sparkling teeth with his dental diastema were just as perfect as his smile. Oh my days, did I mention that he was just as cerebral as he was humorous? Despite that, your father was hyper-organized. He was equally fun to be with. And then he loved me. Or so I thought. We got married and he was granted express entry into American citizenry. I honestly had no reason to be sad or suspicious about our marriage, as your father gave me no reason to. As far as I was concerned, we were young and in love. Then, something strange happened during the fifth and last year of our marriage. I saw a message on his phone from his wife in Kenya. Wife? I didn't think much of it because there was no possibility in heck that Bakar had used me to get his papers. He made lofty promises to me. He promised to protect me and our love. He said he loved you. After disobeying everyone, including my mother, to marry him, I didn't expect him to have such a huge secret that he kept away from me. I interrupted my mother as she spoke. I didn't believe he loved me because... How could a father not look back for so many years after divorcing his wife? He left me to go through life alone. I'm his daughter. Yet he didn't protect me against granny and all the cousins that called me a child born out of wedlock for so many years. If he wanted me, he would have looked back no matter what. Well, after much scrutiny and investigation, I had to accept the bitter pill your father served me. It was difficult to accept that I was the ladder for Picard to climb to his American dream. I had spent years wondering if your father could have lived a lie with me. I wondered what he felt when he said he loved me and couldn't wait to watch you grow. Even though I couldn't face my mother, your granny, I had to keep you in Los Angeles after the divorce. I was too broken to allow you to stay around me. Years have passed and I'm just as broken. I didn't know what to say. When I didn't know about my father, I didn't hate him, but when my mother stopped at her last sentence, I made a resolve not to think highly of him again. My mother couldn't trust another man after my father. Not that I was any better. I was low self-esteemed, traumatized, and an angry bird. When I finally finished college, my father reached out. I was marrying the love of my life after college, after quite a number of therapy sessions, and my father suddenly wanted to be a part of our lives. 
I thought he was a selfish man who only cared about the interests of his family in Kenya. The family he eventually moved to the States. How appalling. I hated his guts. I hated how he hurt my mother and me. How could he use us as bait? How? He could have cheaply looked for a contract marriage instead of involving emotions in his quest for a better life. Unfortunately, life wasn't kind to him. He didn't realize his American dream because his Kenyan wife realized her selfish ambition through him. I heard he was a poor and miserable man. Not that I wanted that for him, but I didn't care much about him. And the perfect revenge for me was to keep him shut out of my life the way my mother shut him away from hers. After all his pleas and his obvious outbursts of emotions laden with regret, my mother and I didn't budge. I didn't want him to be a part of my wedding, and by extension my life, even though he wished to be a part of it. As far as I was concerned, a man that couldn't keep his promises when things were rosy would not keep his promises when things were not. Yeah, considering this guy's track record, I'm sure almost to a certainty that he's popping up because he wants to milk some kind of new asset, it's just maybe unclear what that is. If they really wanted a relationship with you, they had all of your life to try to do that before that point. Definitely far too little and far too late. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.